0: I had a somewhat transformative experience over this past week. You know last week, I was debating on if I was going to keep doing my Lenten sacrifices on Sundays. You know there's always that discussion: Should you keep fasting on Sundays, or should you rejoice um, and kind of just relax on it? And it was St. Patrick's Day. It was a Sunday. My brother and his wife just had a new baby, so we were all gathering to celebrate. all these different things. So I, I'd originally planned not to give it up, to just keep going through. And after a lot of prayer and sufficient amount of temptation, I finally decided, I think I'll let go and just enjoy, enjoy the different things I'd given up at first. And it was very interesting because every time I'd go back and I'd eat something that I had given up, or I'd drink something that I said I wouldn't drink for Lent, every single time a voice would come into the back of my mind that said, you're still the same person you were when you gave this up. Every time, you're still the same person you were when you gave this up. And it really made me start thinking about, is my sacrifice actually changing me? That's what I felt God saying to me. Like, whatever you're trying to give me this Lent isn't actually making you a better person. You're still the same person you were when you gave this up at the beginning. And then right at that point, he planted a little seed in my heart, and he said, why don't you try this Lent, giving up your resentment? I didn't really know what to make of that. Um, but the following week, just a couple days later, I had to go to seminary. And I was taking a whole group of young men discerning for a few days. And anyone who knows anything about seminary, it's another word that we use for seminary is cemetery, because it's a place you go to die. Like, it really is very difficult. It has so much beauty and so many good things, but you have to die to so much of yourself during that formation. I was there for 10 years, and so there was a lot of death left of me in that place, and it was my first time going back. And at one point, I was sitting there in the midst of all these people who had helped form me for so long, and all these different memories kept coming to me of the times, especially the bad times that I had in seminary. And I felt all this resentment growing in my heart. And this was in the middle of Mass. And I'm sitting there, my first Mass back there. And at that point, I heard just the slightest whisper in my heart. Bless the land from which you came. Bless and do not curse it. For it is from this land that you were born and reborn. And as I left that church, those words just kept coming. Bless the land from which you came. Bless and do not curse it. And as I was walking around the grounds in the seminary those next couple days, at times I'd get a memory that would hit me and this resentment would fill filled up. And I immediately had this impulse to fall on my knees, on my knees and my hands, and I'd kiss the ground. I didn't, I didn't care who was around me or who saw me. I'd actually kiss the ground and I'd bless it. And i blessed the memory, and i blessed the person I, I was thinking about. And the most beautiful thing happened. I wasn't expecting, but as I kissed the ground, all of that resentment I felt in my heart went away. And it was replaced by this deep joy, this peace, and gratitude for everything I had received during that time. You know, my history didn't change. The the facts were the same of the good and the bad that had happened there. But what did change was my mindset. I no longer saw it as an enemy or with bitterness. It was a gift that I received and gave back to God in gratitude. It was my mind that changed. In the gospel today, the Jews come to Christ complaining about the evil and the suffering that they are seeing and experiencing. The moral evil of Pilate, who's just killed a bunch of innocent people while they're offering sacrifice to God. And also the natural evil of a tower falling, falling on people, a group of people and killing 18 of them. And so when they come up and they're complaining to Christ about these two evils... it's really interesting because they're actually complaining about the totality of evil that we can experience in life. There's only two types of evil in the world. Moral evil, that's which we do as human beings to one another, and natural evil. So like earthquakes and car accidents or bodily illnesses. That's it. So they're complaining to Christ about the totality of what can be suffered in this world. And what's Jesus' response? Does he give them an answer to the problem of suffering in life? No. He says, unless you repent, you will all perish. It's a harsh statement. And what's the connection there? Unless you repent, you will all perish. Well, repentance doesn't so much have to do with our actions. And this is why I think this God kept telling me, you just giving up this your sweets or sugars or alcohol whatever it's not changing you because the actions are easy to change what's much harder is the mindset and repentance in greek comes from the word metanoia meta mean above or beyond and noia mean mind and so repentance true repentance means conversion of the way you see the world changing your perception of life Transforming the way you understand your environment around you. And he's saying, unless you change the way you're looking at life, the way you're seeing things, you will perish. And what will perish? Our hearts. There is a profound connection between the thoughts I am having, what I'm perceiving, and what happens to my heart. Because if all I see around me is evil, if all I perceive in my life is the difficulties I've been going through and the different types of suffering that I'm encountering, my heart's going to contract. And it's going to be consumed by anger, by bitterness, and by resentment. And most of all, and this is the greatest evil of all, it blinds us to the glory that is always around us. It blinds us to the goodness that is flowing through my life in so many different ways. You think about it, it's, it's very sad because they're complaining about the suffering in the world and they don't even realize that they're talking to God in the flesh. They're so consumed with the evil that they've suffered, the injustice of the world, they don't even recognize the glory of God in the flesh standing right before them. And that's what e- that's what suffering does to us. It's so easy the more we suffer to allow that to cloud our vision and to corrupt our hearts so that we're no longer open to all the glory that God's trying to give me in my life. It blinds us to the beauty that surrounds us. It blinds us to the beauty of our family. If we're always focusing on the negatives, We no longer see the incredible gift of the very... Someone said to me, you know, I'm so angry because my father always beats me at basketball. It's like, do you realize how many young men out there don't even have a father to play basketball with? You know, and this is, it was an older man, but he he meant it. He hated it. But it's like, you're missing the whole point. Most people don't even have a father who takes the time to play with them. I mean, that's glory. That's beauty. Rejoice in that. People come to me all the time complaining about the problems they have in their relationships. Do you have any idea how many people are longing even to have a love in their life? Even if it's hard? Even if it carries sufferings? There's so much to be grateful for if we just see things in the right way. You know, there's a saying, we do not possess ideas. Ideas possess us it's the most important thing i've ever learned we do not possess ideas ideas possess us because whatever ideas have you have in your mind it colors everything you see it filters your entire experience of reality so if my whole vision is i'm a victim or i'm in a world of injustice that's going to paint Every single thing you experience in your life. And you'll always be a victim. You'll always be experiencing justice. And everybody will be against you. And that's what it means to be possessed by an idea. On the other hand, if I'm possessed by the idea that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, suffered and died for me. everything I shouldn't even be alive right now. The very fact that I'm breathing is a gift. If I'm possessed by that idea, then no matter what suffering I encounter... It's like I'm married. I shouldn't even deserve to have a wife. Thank God I have a family. Then whatever suffering comes through that, it's going to be filtered through that idea. Like we're together. We still got each other. We're still going strong. And you can make it through anything. That's why John Milton, he wrote The Paradise Lost. He said, The mind is its own place, and it can make a hell of heaven or a heaven of hell. It just depends on how you see it. So the question you've got to ask yourself, are you making of your life a heaven or a hell by the way you perceive it? What are the ideas about your life that possess you? If someone were to ask you about your life, would they get a huge litany of all the tragedies and the sufferings you've encountered? Or rather, would they, you, they get a whole example of all the beautiful gifts That God has brought to you in the midst of the suffering. You never close your eyes to the evil you experience. But it's about seeing God in the flesh present in the midst of it. How do you know which which side you're on in that? Which ideas are possessing you? And if you're making a hell of heaven or a heaven of hell, how do you know that? You feel it in your heart. Because there's that connection between our thoughts, our perception, and our heart. I notice it in myself all the time. That the more negative I become, the more my heart contracts. I become angry and bitter and resentful. And everything becomes filtered through that experience. So is your question we can ask, is your heart perishing? Is your love perishing? is your joy and your hope and your life and your family and your work is it perishing then perhaps it's time to bend down and kiss the ground bless the land from which you came bless and do not curse it love it for it was from this land that you were born and is from this land that you will be reborn you lived in poverty Bless the land from which you came. Grew up in a broken home. Bless the land from which you came. Broken family. Bless and kiss the land from which you came. You're suffering physical ailments. Can you bless the land from which you came? Someone in your life hurts you. Can you kiss the land from which you came? You experienced death of a loved one. Can you kiss the land from which you came? What are the deepest sufferings, the deepest trials you've had to go through in your life? Can you kiss the land from which you came? Can you reconcile yourself with that and say, I came from this and I am who I am because of it. And the glory of God has shined through it all. If you can do that, if you can bend down and kiss the ground and love the land from which you came, I promise you, your resentment will go away and you will see things in a new light. Everything will begin to shine with a divine mystery. A monk in his last dying words, he said to his fellow monks, if you love everything, you will perceive the divine mystery in everything. Once you perceive it, you will begin to comprehend it better every day. And you will come at last to love the whole world and all of your life with an all-embracing love. But it must begin with the love. It must begin with the choice to see the good and not the evil. And even here at Mass, you can perceive the divine mystery in all things. Bread and wine will shine with the divine mystery. And you will see no longer empty bread or empty wine, which is hell, because it's meaningless. No, you will see the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, made present in front of you. And that, my dear brothers, that's heaven. Heaven because that's Christ in our presence all you must do to see it is repent to change the way you perceive the world and your heart will never perish